reminds uh, me and it reminds uh, you guys, hopefully, that uh, the, the benediction that I do at the end of the service, uh, I don't make that, I didn't make that up. That uh, is uh, from number six and that is being quoted in that song. So uh, we are grateful to have the, the, the Lord's face to shine upon us. And that's the best thing that we can pray for each other and for the world. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 19 today as we take uh, a, a, a little bit of an interlude before we uh, get to some of the meatier part of Exodus. There's this brief moment because um, as soon as we start here in Exodus chapter 19, on the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. And after they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Now, this is an interesting place to be in the story because this is uh, the place where they have been aiming for the entire story to this point. Everything that we have seen to this point has been, let's get the people of Israel out of Egypt and they will come to worship the Lord at this mountain. And three months to the day after they left the desert, after they left Egypt, they have arrived, and, and, and now they're here. And I want us to be really clear and, and just have this in our minds as to what has just happened in their lives in the last three months, six months, relatively short period of time. That that first was this call to leave Egypt, something that, 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 that was beyond them, that, that, that was changing the course of the last 400 years of their history that was going to take them in a brand new direction. That there were there were ten plagues that they observed. And, and, and as much as to us they seem like, wow, that's a cool special effect, to actually see a plague of frogs would be somewhat traumatizing. To see a plague of gnats, to see the plague of the firstborn, that would have been awe-inspiring, and that has to affect who you are as a human being. They have followed a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God has been working on them that way. They have seen the events of the Red Sea, both themselves walking through on dry land and then the sea collapsing in on the Egyptian army. This is a, You can imagine what it would have been like to be like, that thing, did that just happen? Did we all just see that? Is that a real thing? They've been fed with both manna and with quail repeatedly. They've had their first battle as a people. They were defeated. They defeated the Amalekites. This is they were not a people beforehand. And for the first time in 400 years, the Israelites had a fight with another group of people and God granted them a victory. And they've seen water come from a rock. God instructed Moses to strike a rock with his staff. Moses did it. And they had water in the middle of the desert. These are the events thus far. And they've had all of these monument, monumentous events that have all been engineered and geared and directed to bring them to this point where they are standing at the foot of Mount Sinai preparing to worship the Lord. Everything has been geared to this. Everything about the entire last few months of their lives, all of these monumentous events, all of these traumatic events has been directed at this point. And it's fair then for them to stand there and ask the question, now what? And I know that that seems like an odd place to stop, but I think it's a very human place for us to stop. Because the reality is all of us have been in this place where we've been planning for things so much 
that once that thing has actually arrived, we find ourselves now being, what is the purpose of all of this? Any of us who planned a wedding find ourselves arriving at that wedding day and then immediately afterwards and being like, well, now what? Sorry for the newly engaged couple, congratulations, but you're gonna find that. <laughs> The next day, you'll be like, it's, it's good. Everybody goes through it. And it's when you're just like, you know what? Perfectly normal. Go get breakfast. Um, <laughs> that's step one. Um, but we've all been in this interesting place where everything we've done has been geared to get us to a certain point. Every thought and plan and movement has been geared to get us there. And, and, and we're, we're now we find ourselves arrived with that thing, and, and, and we don't know what to do with it when, we, when we've got it. We are, we are like the dog who catches the car, or the dog who catches their tail, and we find ourselves just looking at, at, at the camera now on the internet, being like, I don't know what to do with this thing anymore, right? It happens with, with, with weddings, it happens with children, it happens with jobs, it happens with everything, where we get the thing that we've been planning for, and we find ourselves asking, now what? So it is quite natural for us to place ourselves in the position of the people of Israel that the last 12, 18 months, all of these shocking, monumentous events have been geared to get them to hear, and now what does God do with us when he's got us at the base of Mount Sinai? And I think that what is extremely fascinating to me, that the first thing that God does when the people are gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai is to remind them again who they are and why they are here. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, and these are the words you are to speak to the people of Israel, to the Israelites. So there's some stuff happening here. He tells them right away, this is who you are. He reminds Moses, and by extension, I believe, is reminding the people that you are the descendants of Jacob. And this is what you are to tell the people of Israel, the descendants of Jacob, the people of Israel. Israel at its most basic, the word Israel means wrestles or contends with God. And Jacob, being the descendants of Jacob as opposed to Abraham or Isaac is interesting because Jacob is most known in their tradition for literally wrestling with God, for finding himself at the end of all things and, 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 and at the end of everything. And as he waits to meet his brother, wrestling with God until sundown, sorry, sunup, and refusing to let him go until he blessed him. So God is, is identifying his people. He's saying, you are the people of struggle. I see you. I see you struggle. I see your wrestling. This is who you are. If you have that inside you, it's because I placed it there, God is saying. You are the descendants of Jacob and the people of Israel. And not only have you, are you people of struggle, you've seen how God intervenes. And he tells them how he has called them. He has created them. He has cultivated them. He has moved them from one place to another. You saw what I did in Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings, and he reminds them who they are. But he doesn't just remind them of who they are. He carries that further to tell them why they're here. 
you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The reason why the now what for the people of Israel is forever answered in saying you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The blessing of God has always been for all people. But at this point in time, he is saying to them that you are going to be pulled aside. This is your purpose to demonstrate who God is to the world. You've been given a story and are carriers of a very specific story. How God made a people out of those who were not a people. And you're supposed to tell that story. And you're supposed to live the life that God has ordained for you. And be the people that show the world who God is in word and deed. Your purpose is to carry the character of God within you. It's interesting because as a result of this, in the rest of this chapter, this leads to a bunch of stuff. They consecrate themselves. They, 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 they pull themselves away and they prepare to meet God. They, they undertake certain activities. They abstain from certain activities. But all of these activities relate back to the primary purpose that they are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That they are, called, they are a called and cultivated people whose entire purpose for existence is to demonstrate God's goodness to the world. There's going to be a context for what this looks like. We're about to get the Ten Commandments. We're about to get the Torah. But we're about to get the instructions of how they are to live their lives. But before we get there, before we get to the what, it starts with the who. And the who and the why of this story is a people called by God to demonstrate who God is to the world. That's what everything is about. So if you find yourself at a place where you're wondering, now what? It's good for you to go back and ask, answer the question, who am I and why am I here? And that is why I find it so fascinating that this was said to the people of Israel again in the book of Revelation over and over and over again. God's inspired uh, call to the, through John to the church that existed at that time is this. That, that John calls the people to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, who has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve as God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and forever and ever. This isn't an, ex this isn't an accident of wording. This is an intentional callback. That John, inspired by God, is saying, remember that call that was given to the people of Israel? We all have that call now. We are a kingdom of priests. This isn't written. The book of Revelation was not intended in its original reading for the people of Israel. It was to the churches in Asia, what is present-day Turkey. And he's saying, you are a kingdom of priests. We together are a kingdom of priests who have been touched by the life of Jesus. So this message carries through for us as well. That our purpose, if we find ourselves in a now what situation, be it the day after a wedding, be it the day after a child is born, be it the day after a graduation, be it the day after we finally get that job that we've always wanted, be it the day after we finally get that house that we've always wanted, the answer to now what is always be a kingdom of priests. Demonstrate God's character to the world. That is why we are here. We answer the question when we're confused 
about our purpose, about our intention, about what we're called to do, our primary and, and, and foundational task is to answer the questions, who are we and why we are here? And I'm here to tell you that you are created and called and cultivated and saved in order to demonstrate God's character to the world. That is the purpose of why we are here. We are a kingdom and priests for this world. So that applies to us individually. If you find yourself in that position where you're, where you're wandering through the self-help section or you're, or you're looking for another podcast that's going to give you direction in your life, that's a generational thing, but I get it, but the, that's the way that uh, some people are doing it these days. But if you find yourself in that position where you're just like, what now? The answer is... At its most basic, remember who you are as someone who is called by God and as somebody who is created and cultivated by God and then to remember your purpose is to demonstrate God's goodness to the world. That exists for us individually, but it also exists for us collectively as a church. If we find ourselves as a church at a crossroads, if we find ourselves as a church wondering what are we to do next, the answer is always to be a kingdom and priests to demonstrate God's goodness to the world. So if we find ourselves asking questions about, about budgets, asking questions about, about buildings, asking questions about personnel, is this demonstrating God's character to the world? That's the first and most important question that we have to answer because we can do all a lot of good things. And we can have responsibility for good things, but does it do this? That's the primary thing that we're called to collectively, is to be a kingdom and priests for this world, to through our words and through our deeds demonstrate God's goodness. That's why we mow the lawn, right? We mow the lawn not just because it looks nice. Yes, that's good. We mow the lawn not just because if we don't mow the lawn, then, then mosquitoes will get in it and it'll be gross and it's uncomfortable for everybody. We mow the lawn because we want to be good neighbors. And being a good neighbor demonstrates to the world that I care about this environment. So I don't want to create a pool for mosquitoes to breed, which make all of you uncomfortable. I don't want to have something ugly in our neighborhood for you to, for you to look at. That's why we mow the lawn. We don't just mow the lawn for us. We mow the lawn for the world. We don't just keep things well for us. We keep things well for this city because we've been planted here in order to communicate God's goodness. And part of God's goodness is being people who, who mow the lawn and clean up the garbage, right? That's the purpose of everything that happened yesterday. That's the purpose of everything we do when we collect plates. When you pay me, thank you as you do, my intention in existence is to demonstrate God's goodness to the world. And we need to keep that straight in our own minds. Because we will always find ourselves in now what positions. Anyone who has lived, I haven't lived nearly as long as some of you, and I've lived a lot longer than some of you. But what I have learned at this point in time is I've come to lots of now what times and thought like, this is the last now what, and it's never the last now what. And we are inevitably going to come to times where we find ourselves asking God or asking ourselves or, or wandering through the self-help section of a bookstore and wondering now what? What do I do with my life now? And what we do in that moment is remind ourselves who we are and why we're here. 
that our primary purpose in our existence is to be God's called and created and saved people demonstrating his character and his goodness to the world. And with that as our foundation, we can build into all the joyful and amazing and exciting things that God has for us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you have created us. We thank you that you have called us. We thank you that you have cultivated us. We thank you that you are making all things new for us. And we thank you for the purpose that you have given us to be a kingdom and priests who demonstrate who you are to this world. We are a shockingly inefficient medium to demonstrate who you are to the world, God. I find myself wishing for a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. I find myself wishing for plagues. I find myself wishing for you to intervene in ways that make us obsolete as your church. And every time I pray for that and every time I wish for that, what I'm confronted with is you in your word saying over and over again that I have called my church to demonstrate who I am in the world. And while I sometimes disagree with your methodology, Lord, I cannot disagree with your intention. So I would ask for myself and for this church that we would not argue with you about your means, that we would not argue with you about your purpose, but that we would be aligned with who you are and what you are doing in the world, that in you we would find our identity, in you we would find our purpose, and we would not be distracted by anything else, and that we would not merely wait for you to reveal yourself into the world in miraculous ways, but that we would participate in being your hands and feet and being your body, demonstrating your blessing to this world, knowing that that's where we're going to find our joy. That that's where we're going to find peace, that that's where we're going to find happiness as it exists, is in, is, is in following your will and in, in your ways and being the people that you have called us to be. So help us to do that today. Help us to when we are, find ourselves in a situation where we're asking now what, to primarily and, and, and firstly ask ourselves who we are and why we're here and find the answers to all of our questions in you. And we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus.